want to invite you now to turn to Hebrews chapter 1 in preparation for the message. Hebrews chapter 1. I've been looking forward to telling you this little story uh, on some occasion. It happened right here in our church on the lower level. I guess it was a few weeks ago. I, I saw one of our little boys. Uh, under two years of age, I saw one of our little boys with his daddy. This was before Sunday school. I think it was before Sunday school, whatever. So anyway, I, I just uh, kind of uh, scooped, uh, stepped down or whatever, and, and, I, and I said, good morning. It's so nice to see you. And so I just was giving him a little welcome. And this little guy said to me, mommy has freedom. <laughs> and I, I didn't know. I didn't know what he meant. I said, what's that? Mommy has freedom. I, I, I didn't catch on. And then I said to, uh, to his dad, I said, what, what, uh, what is he talking about? What, what does he mean? Mommy has freedom. <laughs> his, his dad said to me, his, his dad, uh, what he means is, mommy is free from him for a few, mi a few minutes. <laughs> She's free to do something. <laughs> I, I didn't get a chance to ask the parents if it was okay for me to tell you. Uh, uh, is, is it okay for me to tell who it was? Huh? Is it okay? <laughs> okay. Anyway, it's our little two-year-old birthday boy, Asher. Asher. <laughs> Persaud's family. All right. <laughs> Uh, first, first time I heard, uh, I heard it put that way. <laughs> okay. Well, our theme, our theme today is what do you do when you feel like giving up? What do you do when you feel like giving up? Sometimes you and I feel like giving up in various areas of life. Isn't that true? Sometimes you might feel like giving up on your faith for a variety of reasons. On other occasions, a husband or a wife might feel like giving up on your marriage. Or there can be times when your son or daughter really disappoints you and you feel like giving up on your kids. For others, there may be times when you feel like giving up on your job or on your academic studies. And this subject of giving up is very relevant to probably all of us, and it's relevant to us pastors as well, because I was just reading this week some statistics that said that, to my surprise, that said of all the men and women who enter the pastoral ministry, 60 to 80 percent will not be in the ministry 10 years later. I thought, wow, wow. Anyway, like I said, our theme is what do you do when you feel like giving up? Now, I usually develop uh, my messages from scratch, but occasionally I come across something, that, something or an outline from another pastor or or teacher somewhere that I feel is very uh, wonderful and helpful. And, uh, and uh, occasionally I use another pastor's basic outline or ideas. And when I do, I want to give that pastor credit. So some of what I say in today's message comes from 
Pastor Rick Warren, who ministers at the uh, Saddleback Community Church down in the States. But the truths are based on Hebrews chapter 12 right here. So what do you do when you feel like giving up? I will share with you part one today, and then next Sunday we'll get into the second half of this message. So, here's the first truth I want us to focus on. When you feel like giving up, why don't you read it with me from the big screen? When you feel like giving up, remember you have people in heaven cheering you on. Now this comes from the very first verse here in Hebrews chapter 12 where it says, therefore, since we are surrounded by a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. Amen. Notice it starts by saying, therefore, therefore. And, uh, and when you see the word therefore, you and I need to ask, what is it therefore? All right? What, what is it therefore? And essentially the word therefore here refers back to chapter 11, back to the previous chapter where it talks about people like um, Abraham and Isaac and Moses and Joshua and Noah and others who are looking down upon us from heaven and cheering us on. Uh, Abraham, Moses, or Joshua, think about this. They might, be, they might be looking down upon us and upon your life and mine and cheering us on. Men and women of great faith from way back uh, it, could be, it could be that Noah is looking down and saying, hey, you think, you think you have it tough? You think you have it tough? I had to build an ark. I had to build an ark, and people thought I was crazy. Uh, some of you here went on that lovely bus trip last week, and you saw a uh, replica or whatever exactly it is of the ark that uh, has been constructed down in the States, and many have been going to see it. Okay. Uh, it's possible that Moses, Moses might be up in heaven and he's saying, um, you, think, you think you have it tough? I, I, had to, I had to lead over a million complaining spiritual babies out of, out of Egypt, out of their slavery. I was doing them a favor and yet all they did was complain and complain and complain. All right? Abraham might be up in heaven thinking, well... You think you have it tough? I had to leave my country at the age of 80, the age of 80, and go to a new land I had never been to before and start all over again. Don't feel bad if you have to start all over again. I did it at an elderly age. And you know what? In addition to the many Bible characters who are in heaven cheering you on, cheering us on, you and I also have family members, and friends who are our heavenly cheerleaders. Uh, sometimes, sometimes when I'm going through a hard time, I think, uh, I think for example, of my Aunt uh, Ruth Jennings, who is up in heaven, and I'm sure she's, she's saying, 
Persevere, Pastor Nick. Persevere, Pastor Nick. You'll make it through that uh, difficulty. You'll make it through that trial. Persevere. You and the Rosewood family will reach that world missions goal. You will do it. You can do it. You can do it. And recently we did do it. We did do it in that instance. Uh, so think about, think about the great people of the Bible as uh, Hebrews 12 says, we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith. Think about the great men and women of the Bible and, and other family members and friends that are cheering you on. Amen? And remember, remember the huge crowd of witnesses in heaven. Those witnesses are not there to judge you and me. They're there to encourage you. Amen? They want, they want to see you succeed. They want you to win. They want you to make it. They want you to persevere. Listen to these beautiful words from a commentator in my Life Application Study Bible. I've told you about this other times, the Life Application Study Bible, uh, New Living Translation. Listen to these words. <clears throat> he says, This huge crowd of witnesses is composed of the people described in chapter 11. Their faithfulness is a constant encouragement to us. We do not struggle alone, and we are not the first to struggle with the problems we face. Others have run the race and won, and their witness stirs us to run and win also. What an inspiring heritage. What an inspiring heritage we have. Amen? So, truth number one today, when you feel like giving up, remember you have people in heaven cheering you on. Amen? Amen. Here's a second truth that I hope will lift us up. Second truth is this. Read it with me from the big screen. When you feel like giving up, get rid of the weights and sins which are pulling you down. Now this comes right out of uh, the verse. Read it with me, the second part of verse 1. Let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. Okay? What is a weight? It says, let us strip off every weight. What, what is a weight that slows us down? Well, a weight could be anything that slows us down in God's race, in God's path intended for me or for you. The weight could be a good thing. It could be a good thing. It could be a, a relationship. It could be a job or an activity. It could be a sport. It could be a sport that maybe you're spending too much time on and it is slowing you down from, from what you were put on this planet to do. Sometimes over the years, sometimes, uh, sometimes wives have, have said, you know, my, my husband over the summer, all he does, all he does is he's, he goes to this sporting event, that sporting event, that sporting event, that sporting event, that sporting event, and he's just, just, just uh, focusing all his time on sports, and he's not giving any attention to, to the wife or, or the children, and, and that ends up causing, causing strife problems in the family, right? All right? 
Um, a weight, a weight could be a memory. Think about this. Some of you might be stuck in the past. Stick, stick with me. It could, be, it could be a positive memory, and you want to hold on to it, or it could be a, a negative memory, and you still want to hold on to it. And that negative memory is still causing some bitterness, some anger, some uh, negative feelings within you. And you have difficulty moving forward. You have difficult progressing because you're, you're stuck with, with the memories, whether it's a bad memory or a good memory. The good memories are usually helpful, but again, if we're only looking to the past and saying, oh, in the, in the, in the good old days. Like so, sometimes, you know, sometimes I've, I've heard people say, oh, it was so wonderful in the 1960s. And now I was only a kid growing up in the 1960s in Toronto. I was only a, a, a kid, but I still remember, I still remember watching the news uh, of, of, of the wars and the Vietnam War. And as a kid, I just remember being bothered by that. And, and so sometimes, sometimes, you know, when I've heard people say, oh, it was so wonderful in the 60s. And, and true, there, there were many wonderful things, but at the same time, there were so many not so wonderful things. You understand what I'm saying? Memories can be good, but they can also be bad if they hinder us from moving forward in our lives. Amen? There's something else that can, be, um, that can be a weight. <clears throat> a tradition, believe it or not, a tradition could be a weight. Well, we've always done it that way in our family. We've always done it that way in our family. However, families change. And sometimes even a good tradition or what used to be a good tradition can end up causing problems. For, for example, many of you know I was born in northern Greece and we were new immigrants to Canada when I was a little boy. Now, the Greek, the Greek and the Macedonian tradition that I come from, at Easter time, uh, most people would usually cook lamb for the Easter meal. My Greek friends here, you, you still cook lamb for Easter? Yes? Yes, that's good. They're good Greeks. <laughs> tradition! Tradition! <laughs> no, no, that's good. <laughs> um, uh, I, I still remember. I still remember my father and mother before Easter talking about which store was selling young lamb meat at a reasonable price. For many years, my mother used to cook lamb for Easter Sunday regularly. And as, uh, as the four kids in our family got older, and especially as we got married and my parents had grandkids, on Easter we would still gather at, at their home, where my mother still lives, by the way, just south of Kennedy and Eglinton, we would still gather at their home. However, a problem started to develop. My, my mother used to cook this lovely traditional Easter lamb dinner. The problem was 
except for my father and me and maybe my younger sister, most of the other children and spouses and grandchildren did not like the taste of lamb, surprisingly. They didn't like the taste of the lamb, and so most of the lamb meat was left over. Uh, my mother used to get very frustrated and sometimes upset and would say, you know, I work so hard and I, I cook so much beautiful lamb meat and hardly anyone is eating it. What's the matter? Finally, one year, my mother realized that at Easter, although it was, it was traditional to cook lamb, she decided to make a change. Pastor, she broke with tradition, brother. Wow. <laughs> uh, she, started, she started to cook roast beef and ham for Easter dinner. Now, she still cooked a little bit of lamb for the benefit of two or three of us, two or three out of, I don't know, 30, who, who like lamb. But mother basically changed the tradition. Why? Because the family changed. The family changed. And what, what, was, what was the point of cooking food that most were not going to eat? And by the way, I still really like lamb. Occasionally when a store, when a store has a, a special and is selling lamb chops for three or four dollars, you see that, please tell me so I can buy some lamb chops because when it's not on sale, it's, uh, I don't know, six to ten dollars a pound. And no, I don't buy it when it's that expensive, right? Uh, you, you know what's amazing? Have you ever thought of this? What's crazy is they can ship lamb all the way from New Zealand, from New Zealand where they grow, they raise a lot of lamb. They, sh they ship it all the way from New Zealand to Toronto and sometimes can still sell it for three to four dollars a pound. Isn't that, isn't that crazy, Pastor Lisa? I know this blesses your heart. <laughs> oh, and then some of you maybe just insist on the Ontario lamb, which is uh, wonderful as well. Okay, what, what is my story about, about the Easter lamb tradition have to do with you? Well, maybe in your family, you have had a tradition. You've had a tradition of serving certain foods at family birthday parties, but you find that your family has changed, and a lot of them won't eat what you've prepared. A lot of you came from certain beautiful islands, and what you're finding is that some of your kids, for some reason, although Pastor Nick really appreciates the wonderful kinds of foods you cooked back in the island, some of your kids just don't appreciate those wonderful foods. Isn't that true? Yes. Okay. Don't go crazy. Don't give up on your children. Don't give up on your family. I don't know why they don't like that beautiful food. Okay, if you cook it, they don't want it, bring it to Pastor Nick. <laughs> That's all. There's a solution for you. But you, you, might, you might have to change your tradition. All right? Remember, traditions are intended to help families and not to discourage loved ones. Okay? An unrealistic expectation can also be a weight as well. It can be a weight. You know, something that 
drags you under, uh, gets you upset, makes you feel like giving up. You know, what you are expecting of yourself could be uh, totally unrealistic, or it could be that an unrealistic expectation was put on you by your parents or your husband or wife or by your peers or some profession or professional person. Stick with me. Last night, a little team called the Toronto Raptors basketball team They asked me to play for them, but I told them I was busy. <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. <laughs> okay. As uh, most of you basketball fans know, they, meet, they beat the Milwaukee Bucks 100-94 uh, to in last night's game, enabling them to go to, to the finals for the first time in, what, 24 years. 24 years, I believe, is how long the team has been going. Now... I wouldn't be surprised, I wouldn't be surprised if, uh, if there are some parents who are saying to themselves, hey, I want my son to grow up playing for the Toronto Raptors. It's okay, it's all right if you're thinking that, you know. You might be saying, I want my son to grow up being a basketball star like Cowie Leonard. Is that the correct pronunciation, Cowie? Huh? Oh, you're all pronouncing it differently anyway. <laughs> At least I'm spelling it right. It is K-A-W-H-I. So uh, I'm honoring the man at least by spelling it right, okay? So now, there's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with a parent possibly thinking that, that is thinking that, you know, I'd, I hope someday my son will be like, like these uh, basketball superstars. However, however, stick with me. A parent needs to be asking yourself questions like, like this. Is my son ever, is my son even <laughs> interested in basketball? Okay. To, to the parents of the precious baby we dedicated today. You have to ask yourself, as your child is growing up, is your little one even going to be interested in basketball? You need to ask uh, the question, parents in general, does my, son, <clears throat> does my son have the natural athletic abilities to develop his skills to the very high level required to play pro basketball? Does my son have the discipline required to practice for hours to learn how to repeatedly put the basketball in the net? Now, if your answer, if your answer to those questions is no, 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 then don't put, don't put an unrealistic expectation on your son for him to, to become a future Toronto Raptors player. You got it? But by the way, to our baby dedication family, I'm not talking about just your son here. You understand that, okay? All right? I mean, I, I, if that's what he wants, that's what God wants for him, may it be so, may it be so, okay? All right? Uh, but don't put unrealistic expectations on, on your kids. Otherwise, your unrealistic expectation will become what? A weight. 
It'll become a weight that will tend to drag your child under. He'll, he'll, he or she will feel potentially like a, a failure, a failure. He'll feel like he is letting the parents down. And it's possible, it's possible that your son is not interested in basketball. I mean, the truth is, there's some people here in this sanctuary that are not interested in basketball. I, I, won't, I won't ask you to put your hand up because some of the others might beat you up afterwards and we don't want to see that happen, okay? But maybe, maybe your child is interested in music. Perhaps your son or daughter uh, doesn't have natural athletic abilities, but he or she has great artistic abilities. Artistic abil abilities. I remember how even when my little brother, my little brother Stavros, was only six or seven years old, he used to make incredible drawings. I didn't show him how. No one in the family showed him how. He, just, he used to make incredible drawings as a little kid. Um, he, he was never much of an athlete, but, but he developed his artistic skills during his school days, high school days, and, and further uh, college days. And, and for many years now, for many years now, Stavros has operated um, a, a business using her, his artistic uh, talent. A few years ago, a very large uh, company in North America uh, ordered, ordered 15,000 pieces of his art stretched out on, I think it was 16 by 20 canvas with wood at the end, to give to, to each of their employees as a Christmas present. And actually, I think it's one or two people in our church here ended up getting one of those because uh, they worked for that company. Um, and I just thought, you know, on occasion, how if, if our parents had tried to steer Stavros into making, uh, making it onto the Raptors team or the Toronto Maple Leafs team, it probably never would have happened. But... He makes a good living selling his artwork and also doing creative computer work for a lot of major companies. His brother, older brother Nick, just doesn't have the computer skills that he does, okay? Bottom line is, don't put unrealistic expectations on yourself or on your children or on anyone else. Unrealistic expectations can discourage you. Uh, they, can, they can just weigh you down, and it can be a weight that makes you want to give up. And some of you know exactly what I'm talking about, all right? Some of you, some of you might be unhappy with your wife or your husband. I don't know why wives would get unhappy with us husbands because we try so hard, but it happens. Some of you might be unhappy with your wife or your husband, your children, your employer, your neighbor, your grocery store, or your church. Consider changing your expectations and you will be surprised how much happier you will be. Think about that. I promise you. All right, let's look again at, at verse one where it says, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin, the sin that so easily trips us up. What is a sin? Well, a sin is knowing what you should do and not doing it. 
You know what you should do, for instance, in your life, and sometimes you just don't want to do it. You and I know what the Bible says about uh, things like money and time and eating and sex and, and a whole lot of other subjects, but, um, but sometimes, sometimes we don't do what we should do and we get into trouble. Um, James 4, verse 17 says, James 4, 17 says, remember it is sin to know, to know what you ought to do and then not do it. All right? Sometimes there are weights and sins in our lives that pull us down and we have to get rid of them so that we won't feel like giving up on our faith or giving up on our relationships. Think about this. What, what is a weight or a sin that you need to get rid of, you need to do away with, to help yourself spiritually and or to help your family? What weight or sin do you need to get rid of, to help yourself? Let me take you to a third truth here. It is this. When you feel, read it with me from the big screen. When you feel like giving up, remember you must run God's race for you and not other people's race for you. This comes from the third part of verse uh, 1 where it says, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. Think about it. The race God has set before us. In other words, you are not expected to run the race or to run the, the path or to run to, to, to go through the life set out for other people. You are not expected to run the race culture sets out for you. You aren't expected to run the race your parents set for you. You're not even expected to run the race which you yourself set for yourself. God has promised to bless, to bless your plan for your life when it's God's plan. Did you get that? God has promised to bless your plan when it's, it's God's plan, all right? In other words, God hasn't planned to bless simply what is your plan for your life. He has promised to bless God's plan, what is his plan for your life, what he put you on this planet to do. And if you try, if you try to run or if you try to live out someone else's plan, someone else's race instead of your own, you will get very frustrated and very discouraged. You're not going to make it to the finish line. So you and I have to stick to, to God's plan, God's race, as it put, it's put in this verse, for each one of us. All right? Um, someone might ask, how do you know? How do you know what is God's race which you should be living out? How do we know what is God's God's race, God's 
direction, God's plan. Well, think of the word shape, S-H-A-P-E. A few years ago, I believe, I taught a little bit about this. Um, Pastor Rick and their congregation talk a lot about people finding their, their shape, okay? And uh, the shape stands for this. S is for spiritual gifts. In other words, use the spiritual gifts God has given you. How has God himself gifted you? H, H is for heart. In other words, what do I love to do? What, what, you know, what do you love to do? There are probably some things in your life you really enjoy doing. And then there are some things you don't like to do. So what, you know, what's in your heart? What is it you love to do? Uh, then the A, the A in shape is for abilities, abilities. In other words, what are your natural talents? What are my natural talents? I mean, I saw what the natural talents were in my little brother Stavros back even from when he was probably five or six years of age. Then the P in shape is for personality. What fits with my, with my personality? What fits with my personality? Uh, in my case, for example, you know, if I, if I had to be locked up, not locked up, but anyway, if I had to be in a, in a room, <laughs> in a room uh, all day working on something just by myself, by myself, uh, that, uh, that probably wouldn't go too over well with me. You know, I, I want to be and I need to be around a lot of people. Okay? Now, some of you might get blessed being in a little room working on your own all day long. Now, when I'm preparing sermons and studies, I have to be on my own. That's a different story. But anyway, what fits with your personality? And then the E for shape is experiences. Um, um, how can I honor God with my experiences? That is, good experiences and bad experiences. How, how, can, how can God use the good experiences of your life and the bad, the painful experiences? Many times, many times, the painful experiences that you have gone through will often be a big help to someone else when they're going through something. So, we could say that your shape, S-H-A-P-E, determines the race or it determines the life you should be trying to live out with God and for God. Pastor Rick Warren says this. He says, God doesn't expect rabbits to fly. God doesn't expect eagles to swim and God doesn't expect fish to run. They're shaped to do what they are meant to do and you are shaped to do what you are meant to do. When you try, when you try to run the race other people want you to run, it's like a fish trying to fly. It's not going to work very well. You are going to get tired and discouraged, and you're going to feel like giving up. In other words, in other words, be who you is. And a little one agrees with me there. <laughs> Be who you is. Now, that's not proper grammar. And most of you know I always try to use proper grammar. 
once in a while, I'll use improper grammar to get your attention. All right? Be who you is. That is, be who God has made you to be. Be yourself. Don't try to be someone you are not. And that will help prevent you from becoming discouraged and giving up. So, when you feel like giving up, remember, you must run God's race, the life God intended for you, and do not try to run other people's race for you. So, my friends, what do you do when you feel like giving up? This is not a comprehensive response, but to begin with, there you are. Number one, when you feel like giving up, remember you have people in heaven cheering you on. Amen? Number two, when you feel like giving up, get rid of the weights and the sins which are pulling you down, which are contributing to you, to you feeling like you, you want to give up. And number three, when you feel like giving up, remember you must run God's race for you and not, others peop not other people's race for you. Be who you is. Be yourself. And say, God, I'm not going to allow myself to continually get frustrated and feel like giving up because I can't, I can't run the race. I can't live the life that someone else expects me to live but I'm going to run your race, oh God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray for all of us here. I pray, oh God, that you would help all of us as to what to do when we feel like giving up. I pray that you'll use uh, these truths from Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, to impact our lives. And I pray, oh God, that especially if there are some here listening in the sanctuary, others by radio or the internet, I pray that you would help your people to persevere and not give up, whatever their situation might be, whatever their circumstances might be. Help us to persevere into that, that better day, that better situation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.